Turn in the scripture, please, to 1 John. 1 John 4, and about verse 7, he said, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. Now, let us love one another refers back to the New Testament commandment that Jesus gave us, recorded in John 13. Hold your place right here and just turn back there. John 13 and 34, Jesus said, He said, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, As I have loved you, that you also love one another. You know, he keeps saying one another, doesn't he? He could have said everybody, but he didn't. Love one another. And uh, there's some wrong ideas that are popular and socially acceptable and politically correct that... We're all children of the same God and we're all brothers and sisters and that everybody, there may be all these different paths, nay, religions that people are on, but they all lead to the same place and the same God by different names. These are lies. This is not true. Not true. There are people worshiping Demons, they don't know it, but they are. There are people deceived by lies. Uh, Masses of people, millions upon millions of people, completely deceived in this regard. This is not just an idea I had. Didn't Jesus say, uh, when someone asked him, uh, Lord, are there few that be saved? Remember what his answer was? He said, Broad is the way that leads to destruction and many that go therein. What does that mean? There's a lot of people going down the path of destruction. And broad would leave the idea of inclusive. Right? All inclusive. People say, well, a billion people can't be wrong. Oh, yes, they can. They can. A billion people can be go to hell wrong. I'm serious. I know that's hard. But you know if somebody's about to drive right off a cliff. Agreeing with them while they push the accelerator pedal down. Is not being a friend. You need to raise your voice. Right? You need to yell. No. That is not the right way. People say, well, you're a Christian, you're, you're supposed to be all accepting. No. People say, well, Jesus preached love and acceptance. No, he didn't. He preached repentance. <laughs> and he preached the kingdom of God. And he preached faith. He didn't preach that you accept everything. He preached that you're supposed to repent. Big difference, isn't it? Big, big difference. No, the truth will make you free. And if I'm a Christian, 
Christian is not what some unbeliever thinks a Christian ought to be. <laughs> Don't let an unbeliever tell you how to be a Christian. That's just ignorant, isn't it? Well, you're supposed to be a Christian. You're supposed to be like this. You're, to, you're a Christian? Oh, no. Well, then what in the world do you know about being a Christian? <laughs> I had a fellow one time want to get all over me about talking in tongues. Telling me what you could do and what you couldn't do and what's right. And I said, do you talk in tongues? He said, oh, no. I said, I do. You should be quiet and listen. <laughs> How's somebody that has never experienced any of it, know anything about it, going to tell somebody that does it? It's like those Pharisees and Sadducees. They'd come and jump on Jesus that he couldn't heal on the Sabbath day. But when was their healing day? Right? They couldn't get these people healed. And yet they can tell Jesus how he's not supposed to do it. That's religion for you. Full of rules and regulations. No life. No results. Got nothing happening. But really ready to tell you what you can and can't do. Again, like we're talking earlier. Look at the fruit. The fruit. Is somebody getting healed? People having miracles? That's who you want to find out. Huh? People getting their bills paid? Getting in better shape? You want to find out? What are you doing? Right? Folks getting saved? What are you doing? Things growing? Things doing good? Jesus said he is the only way to the Father. And being a Christian is believing what the Christ told you to believe. That's being a Christian. So... Let's just believe that. And he gave us the new commandment, which is to love one another. Now, he's speaking to his disciples, and he's talking about, certainly, we're to care about people outside the family. God so loved the world, the world, that he gave his only begotten son. But the New Testament commandment that Jesus is talking about is not a command to love the world. It is a command to love each other fellow believers and by this would all men know now see that gives you a uh, a confirmation of what we're talking about right there because obviously he's talking about another group isn't he this all men obviously there's folk inside and folk outside a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another by this by what By us loving each other the way he loved us, all men will know that you're my disciples. If you have love, what? One to another, that being your brother, your fellow Christian. We're supposed to be so happy, so free, and treat each other so good that outsiders want to get in the club. And it's no wonder that the devil has worked so hard to keep us in strife and judging one another and fighting because it takes away our sign of true discipleship. By what would all men know? Not by scripture quoting, not by talking in tongues. By what would all men know? How we treat each other fellow believers. That doesn't mean 
everybody in your camp or in your denomination or in your group. How many believe in heaven you're not going to be going along the street and it's going to say Baptist territory for the next 40 miles? You're entering Catholic territory. No, no, there's not going to be any denominational sections of heaven. They're just one family. One. People put all kind of little labels and names, but they're not going to last. They're not going to last. It's real simple. I am born of God. If you are born of God, you're my brother. We don't have to agree on everything to be family. Do you? You got any relatives? <laughs> Do you have to agree on everything to be family? But just because you disagree on something, you shouldn't say we're not family anymore. <laughs> Ooh, I saw some looks across the crowd. <laughs> Brother Hagin, my father in the faith, used to say frequently, he'd say, we can disagree without being disagreeable. And you got to watch about pushing your opinion or even your belief. Have you ever read in Proverbs uh, how it talks about numerous places uh, about one says uh, getting involved in affairs that are not yours is like taking a dog by the ears. How many of that's a good way to get bit? Grabbing a strange dog by the ears. And that's what he said. Getting into a situation you don't know anything about. And that uh, he said just like the ringing of the nose produces blood. (laughs) Forcing of wrath brings strife and and anger. I mean you wouldn't just go up and grab somebody's nose and go to ringing and twisting. (laughs) Until the blood started coming out would you? And yet. A lot of times people have just pushed and pushed something and pushed something and pushed something until people get angry and strife. And when it's right, it's right, it's right. Yeah, something can be right and you not be right. Something can be true, but the way you push it and the way you try to jam it down somebody's throat can absolutely be wrong. And even if they need it desperately, and even if it is the answer and truth, doesn't mean you're the one to minister it to them. A lot of folks are just not ready for you. (laughs) But there are some that are, right? And what you want to do is be available for the Lord to use you with the people it would receive from you, but particularly... Family and relatives don't always want to receive from other family and relatives. They would receive it from somebody else, but they wouldn't receive it from sis. And you and I need to be wise enough to know that. And how would that wisdom be manifest? By you shutting up, (laughs) dropping it. Yeah, but they need it. Yeah, but that's not all there is to it. Yeah. Must the answer is causing problems. Yeah, but that's not all there is to it. Had the Lord say this to me one time. You, you want to know how I found out some of these things? 
Should I tell all of that? <laughs> Y'all are saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One thing the Lord said to me some years ago concerning some of these situations, he said to me, Keith, he said, it's not what they need. It's not what you know. It's what will they receive? What will they receive? And the only way to know that is by the Holy Spirit. Folks get so legalistic. And it can be a lot of pride. And uh, it's not just what you're saying. How many know how you say it? It's a great big deal. And if you come across acting superior and judgmental and talking down to folks, a lot of times they won't even hear what you're saying because of the way you're saying it. I've been in situations before where I knew I needed to say something that wasn't palatable. <laughs> it wasn't necessarily what people wanted to hear. But I had learned over the years, I said, well, Lord, show me how to say that. And he not only showed me how, he showed me when. Hmm? Sometimes it needs to be said and done, but here and now is not the place or time. If you try to do it here and now, it's going to be a disaster. And so the Lord will show you. If you wait on him, don't be too quick to move. Don't be too quick to talk. And in order to do that, you have to discipline your tongue. If two nanoseconds after it crosses your mind, it comes out of your mouth, you have no time to intercept. And once it's out, it's out. You're like, I shouldn't have said that. It's already out. It's already having the effect. You're already dealing with the aftermath. But you know how uh, anymore on TV, even if it's live TV, they've got a delay. So if something happened, they got a chance to catch it. Well, you need a delay. <laughs> From your mind to your mouth. You need to think there needs to be pause. One moment. Let us examine this. We need to say this. This is the time. This is the place. It doesn't take that long, but just check. And that alone can save us untold strife and problems at home. That's my wife. I don't have to examine everything I tell. Well, just have problems then. Just have problem after problem. My husband, we're supposed to be able to, you know, unload on each other. No, you're not. You're supposed to walk in love with each other. Walking in love means continuously taking into consideration what kind of impact and effect this is going to have on them. Not just that it's true and it needs to be said. How are they going to hear it? How's it going to affect them? And you know as well as I that we ourselves at different times you're more inclined to hear some things than you are at other times. Sometimes you've had a lot of other things going on and you're real tired and your patience is thin and it's just not the time to deal with that. Sometimes they are. Sometimes both of you are. That's a recipe for a big problem. Isn't it? Let's be wise. Let's grow up. What is the love command? Loving one another. That's your fellow Christian. That's your fellow believer. That's the people in your house. That's the people in your church. 
That you fellow Christians that we fellowship with, have communion with. We're supposed to love each other the way Jesus has loved and does love us. And this is our primary witness. More than our preaching. Elsewise, he would have said, by your preaching will all men know that you're my disciples. No, no. By what? By the way we love each other, the unbelieving, ungodly world should get enlightened. Shouldn't they? By seeing how we treat each other, it should begin to dawn on them, this is real. This is real. I don't see people in the world treating each other that way. Something is real about what they're saying about their Christianity. Got to be. Because they don't just do this once in a while. They live like this every day and every night. And they treat each other. And they're not just a bunch of phony talk. They really love each other. And they're not just doing it in word, but in deed. Action. Can you say amen? He said that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another by this. Shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. He said that three times in those two verses. That you love one another. That you love one another. That you love one another. Said out loud, love one another. We love one another. Now we've been talking about this, this love. That it is not what the secular world thinks of when it says love. This God kind of love you did not have until you're born again. Romans 5 says this love has been shed abroad in our heart. By the Holy Spirit. This kind of love the world does not have. You have to be born again. To get this kind of love. And this love is not just a feeling. We've already gone over these things. This love. Is something you do by faith. You can love somebody. And treat somebody great. And not have the feelings. You can actually feel like doing something you ought not do. And you can push that aside and let the love that's inside you dominate you. It's not just a feeling. This love is not temporary. What people call love in the world is so fickle. They love you today that you can't live without you. And that can change by the end of the week. That can change by the end of the month. And people that loved each other so much they couldn't stay apart get to the point where they hate each other, want to kill each other. What happened? Well, you can't help who you fall in love with, and you can't help when you fall out of love, you know. Uh, It just happens. It just happens. It just happens. No. This is not the love of God. God is love. And he said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. He loved us while we were still his enemies. We were not giving him warm and fuzzy feelings. Being his enemies. And he still loved us. He loved you before you were born. He loved you and laid all your sins. And iniquities and mistakes and failures. On Jesus. Before you were ever born. He knows all the stuff you've done. He knows stuff you're going to do. You don't know yet. And he still loves you. Not based on feelings. 
and it's never going to change. Never going to change. Somebody say, he loves me. With an everlasting love. Come on, say it again. He loves me with an everlasting love. Say it again together. He loves me with an everlasting love. Glory to God. This divine love that God is forgives. This divine love gives. And we're going to talk about some other uh, attributes as we go on. But go to 1 John 4. 1 John 4. Verse uh, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. It is the principal indicator of a true Christian. Nothing is more an indicator of being a real Christian than this. Bigger than everything. Keep going. He that loves not, what? Doesn't even know God. For, how could you not have any love and say you know God when God is love? Doesn't just have love, he is love. Verse 9, keep going. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. That's love. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This divine love is not based on what you do for it. You hear people, you hear even preachers sometimes saying unscriptural things. Saying, you know, well, the key to marriage is that love is a 50-50 proposition. Marriage is a 50-50 and there's a lot of give and take. And, and, And I know what people are saying, but that basic statement is not true. The implication is I'll scratch your back if and as and when you scratch my back. That's the way sinners operate. Didn't Jesus say, if you love those that love you, you're not doing any better than the unsaved. This love, it's not 50-50. It's 100-100. And it's 100 if they only give 10. See, you got to watch about pre-qualifying people for your love. (laughs) Do they qualify? (laughs) for me to love them. Well, did you qualify (laughs) for God to love you? When the Lord tells you to do something, you don't then check to see if you think they deserve it. Do you? Husbands, love your wives. (laughs) If. Huh? If they they need to at least give you a minimum amount of love back, right? There's got to be some qualifiers there. Do they deserve my love? The Bible also says 
wives love their husbands. Different passage. And it's not based on their performance. How well they're loving you. How nice they're being to you. (laughs) When the Bible says honor your elders. It doesn't say if you think they deserve it. Honor your mother and father. If you think they've done things good enough. Or right enough. No, no. So many things we're doing for each other. We're not just doing for their sake. We're doing for his sake. Because he told us to do it to them. Paul said to one church, he said, uh, I will gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less you love me. He said, the way this is going, the more I love you, looks like you love me less. He said, I don't care. I will gladly spend everything I got and be spent for you. Even if you love me less for it, I'm still going to do it. That's the love of God. Not based on what you're getting back. What if all husbands and wives live like this? I'm going to love you no matter what you do. Or don't do for me. You have to grow. To be like this. Don't you? You have to grow up. In love. And you cannot separate Spiritual development from growing up in love. They are the same. People say, well, what about growing up in faith? Same thing. Faith works by love. It's all tied in together. You can't grow up spiritually without growing up in love. That'd be like saying grow up in God without growing up in love. Well, God is love. You can't grow up in God without growing up in love. And it's a choice. You have to decide. I'm going to love them. I'm going to value them. I'm going to be considerate of them. I'm going to do good things for them. No matter what. They do. Or don't do. For me. (laughs) You won't find that in the world. Do you? You find that in God. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we loved God. And so, well, it's got to be two way. No, it doesn't. It's got to be two ways. No, it doesn't. They don't have to love you for you to love them. And until we get that, we'll be fleshy and spiritual babies. You can love them when they don't love you. You can love them when they hate you. Love them. Didn't Jesus say it? Love them that hate you. Can you do that? You can't. How are you going to do it? Not by your feelings. Not by your emotions. Not by what you're hearing and seeing. It's a choice. And you're not left to try to muster it up in your own strength. 
God gave us the love when we were born again. He put it inside us. It supernaturally enabling us to do this. So then it's a choice. Will I yield to what I'm seeing and hearing and my emotions and my feelings? If you do, you'll be selfish. Or do I yield to the completely selfless love of God that's inside me that will enable me to love like my master loved the whole world and gave himself. Somebody say gave himself. Gave himself. What was their initial response to him giving himself? They killed him. Right? What did he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Is he loving them while they're killing him? It doesn't have to be two-way. Herein is love, not that we loved God. Say it out loud, not that we loved God. But that God loved, he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. If he's done that for us, he loved us when we weren't loving him. He loved us when we were his enemies. We had animosity toward him. Then when he's done that for us, we ought to love each other when they're not loving us. This is being God-like. This is being Christ-like. This is being mature. When you can rise above it. And instead of letting the slurs and even curse words or the jabs sting you and barb you and hurt you, you just rise above it. And you just smile and say, well, I don't care. I love you. And not just let it be religious jargon. Let it be from your heart. Because you really do. It's a choice. I'm doing this. No, I'm doing that. that. When you get through, I'll be right here. And I'll still love you. (laughs) That's Christ-like. Isn't that the way he is? His kids run all over the world, do every crazy thing disobey him, rebellious, defile themselves, sometimes not just year after year, decade after decade. And if they decide to turn back to him and come back to him, repent, he's right there. Never stopped loving us. Well, was all the things people were doing making him feel like loving them? No. But his love is not based on feelings. It's an ever-lasting Love. It's independent of what you do. That's better for him to be pleased with you. Because then you can experience more of his love. But he still loves you when it feels like there's no God on the earth. He didn't go anywhere. He didn't change. Keep reading. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. And that's how all men, even though men have not seen him, they will see and know that we're his through this love. 
14, we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God or love dwells in him, and he in God, or he in love. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God, and God in him. Now, this is so rich, every word, every phrase, every part. But as we've already begun to touch on, we can grow up in love. Did anybody notice the words on the front of the building when you came in today? Hmm? Or maybe a a previous day? Uh, Anybody know the verse that's on the front of the church here? Second Thessalonians, turn over there. Second Thessalonians, the first chapter. And the third verse, 2 Thessalonians 1, 3, says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith, what's happening? Your faith grows exceedingly, and the charity or the love of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. This whole verse Sounds like increase. Doesn't it? Because it is. Does it paint a picture. Of believers developing. Their faith is growing. Not just a little. Exceedingly. Their love is developing. And their love is abounding. Now this. God puts his faith in us. God puts his love in us. But that's not the end of it. Just because you got faith doesn't mean that's the end. You can have more faith and more faith and stronger faith. And just because love in you, that's not the end. That love can get stronger in you and stronger. Do you believe it, saints? Jesus talked about people that had little faith and people that had great faith and people that had no faith. And obviously the same is true with love. They're connected here together. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about this. Turn over there, please. 1 Corinthians 13. This love, this divine love, is a love that never fails. It's a love that is everlasting. It's a love that forgives. It's a love that gives and keeps on giving. It's also a love that grows. A love that grows. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, that's the King James, it's the word for love, the the God kind of love, have not the love of God, I'm become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Is there such a thing as empty, vain tongues? Must be. Though I have the gift of, is added, though I have prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, the God kind of love, I am nothing. See, what Jesus said is obviously true. Nothing is more important identifying us as a child of God than this love. If we try to have these other things and don't have that, It means nothing. 
It's empty. It's hollow. It's being religious. Verse 3. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Though I give my body to be burned. And have not love. It profits me nothing. Can you talk in tongues without love? Apparently you can. Can you prophesy without love? Can you try to exercise faith and exercise faith without love? Can you give and give hugely without love? Apparently you can. Obviously you can. For other things motivating you. But it profits nothing. And it means nothing. Nothing. Well, think about this. Not just what is love, who is love? God is love. So if it's faith without love, what is it? It's faith without God. (laughs) Now, how good would that work? If it's prophecy without love, what is it? It's prophecy without God. If it's giving without love, what is it? It's giving without God, because God is love. If it's tongues without love, it's tongues without God. Keep reading. Love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. Love vaunts not itself, is not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemly. Seeks not her own, is not easily provoked. Thinks no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Whether there be prophecies, they'll fail. Tongues, they'll cease. Knowledge, it'll vanish away. Now, back up to the, what is it, the fourth verse there again? Notice, thing after thing has to do with someone else. Love suffers long with yourself. Love is kind to yourself. No. It has to do with somebody else. Point after point after point. In order to love somebody else, you have to be aware of them. Don't you? So many folks live in their own world. And everything's about me. And you can't walk in this kind of love if all you think about is yourself. If everybody's forehead was a TV screen and you could see what they're thinking about, it'd be terribly distracting, wouldn't it? But if you could see what they're thinking about in person after person after person after person, every channel would be something about me. Even the commercials are about me. And me reruns. (laughs) It's no wonder people get depressed and and down and, and sad and dejected because that much me will make you sick. There's a lot of folks that are me sick. You think about the enemy's tempting fantasies and imaginings they're all about you you're the star 
of every episode. You're not thinking about how the things you're wanting to do and have and be. You're not thinking about how that's affecting other people around about you. It's like they're just cardboard players in your movie. And all you got to do to be like this is wake up in the morning and act like you feel. And just dwell on whatever pops in your mind that appeals to you. But there's something else inside us as people of God. That's bigger than that. And better than that. Everybody put your hand on your midsection. We're quoting Romans 5 now. Say it out loud. The love of God. The The everlasting love of God. The divine love of God that never ends, that never fails, is in my heart by the Holy Spirit in me every day, every night, everywhere. It's in me. Hallelujah. It's in me. Which means I can love like God. I can love like Jesus because he's put some of his very own love in me. Is it true? Hold your place there and go back to Romans. Romans 13.10 and see if this sounds like what we just got through reading. Well, let me read Corinthians and then read that again. Love does what? It suffers long. With who? Somebody else, right? Not yourself. Love is kind with somebody else. Love envies not somebody else. Love vaunts not itself in front of somebody else. It's not puffed up. It doesn't behave itself unseemly with somebody else. To me, the central phrase of this passage is seeks not her own. Seeks not its own. If you're not seeking your own, what are you seeking? Somebody else, right? Somebody else's. This is what distinguishes us from the world. This is what makes us different. Not all the stuff that people have thought. This. And if we don't have this, all the other stuff is meaningless. Not my words. With that in mind, Romans 13 and 10 says what? Love works what? No ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Look at the Amplified on that, please. The Amplified. Love does no wrong to one's neighbor. Now, neighbor means nearby. And if you take that to the New Testament command, sure, you, this applies to whoever you happen to be around, but the New Testament commandment is specifically to whatever brothers and sisters you're around. But it does no wrong. Never hurts anybody. So it meets all the requirements and is the fulfilling of the law. Somebody walking in the love of God, you don't have to quote the Ten Commandments to them. They they would not kill their brother. Because that would hurt their brother. And they wouldn't do anything that hurt their brother. They're not going to take their brother's spouse away from them. Because that would hurt them. They're not going to lie to their brother. Why? That would hurt them. You don't have to tell them the Ten Commandments. 
Because not only are they not going to do those ten things, they're not going to do anything that's going to hurt my brother. The thing that ought to bother us the most, more than anybody's rules about holiness and right living, the thing that ought to bother us the most is when we think we've hurt somebody. We think our actions have been calloused are uncaring. We've made somebody feel bad about theirself. We've caused somebody to lose confidence. We've caused somebody to look bad in front of other people. Or This ought to be the thing that cuts us in the heart. And if you're a child of God, it does. Now you can be so carnal that you don't pay attention to it. The Bible talks about your conscience being seared. Just like you can callous your hands with either working and friction and building up calluses or through scarring. They can become, what's a callus or a scar? It's thick and it's insensitive, it's unfeeling. And even though you're a child of God, your flesh can be so calloused that you're just hurting people right and left and don't even notice it. And don't care. But if you'd stop for a few minutes. If you're really born again. If you'd stop and check your heart. It's bothering you. And you do not want to override that. Friends. Is there anything more important to us. Than the New Testament commandment. That the head of the church gave us. There's not anything. How do you do that? Let the spirit of God check you. I know there was a couple of times just this last week. I'm seeing a lot of ministers and a lot of things going on. And uh, I said something to a person passing by. And I went by and was doing some other things. It kept coming up in my heart. That bothered them. They didn't know what that meant. And I've learned. You don't just let stuff like that slide. I went and found them. I said, I didn't mean that. I mean this. I could just see their face just changed. They're good. They're fine. So now they're good. I'm fine. You don't want to get to where things like this don't bother you. If you do, your conscience is getting seared. And you're very carnal and unspiritual. The Lord will let you know. You don't have to second guess everything and just run around asking everybody, did I do anything wrong? Did I say, no, 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 no. All you got to do is when something comes up to you, the Spirit of God brings something up to you, don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Go and ask, call, check, see. Apologize if you need to. Make it right if you need to. Right? Why? That's loving your brother, like Jesus. It's not based on what they do or don't do. You just love is not going to do anything that hurts them or takes away from them. If you find out that something that you're doing is getting in their way, hindering them, taking something away from them, that ought to bother you. Shouldn't it? That ought to bother you. And the law of Christ is that instead of us perishing what was Jesus willing to do he was willing to get in our place right and take the sin and bear the punishment of it so we wouldn't have to 
That's the love that's in us. Okay, somebody said, that's the love that's in me. That's the love that's in me. That means when you see something is costing your brother and hurting your brother, that's time for you to step up and say, no, 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 no. Now I'll do something else. Here, you have this. You take this. If it's going to cost somebody, let it cost me. Is that what Jesus did? And not just do it because you're trying to be holy. Do it because you care. And you don't want to see them hurt. You don't want to see it cost them. Love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Is this a hard thing? Is this a thing that will depress you and make you unhappy? No, Jesus told us it's the key to fullness of joy. It's the key to having your joy and keeping your joy. I know the the thing I just described and other things like that. When you see that they're all right, then you're happy, aren't you? You keep your joy up. But when you know you've done something you shouldn't have done, when you know they're hurting because of you and you refuse to stop it, you refuse to make it right, you're going to lose your joy. You won't be. You may try to act happy and go on, but you won't be because inside is chewing on you. It's bothering you. The key, Jesus said, to fullness of joy is keeping this commandment. Loving one another like he loved us. Back to 1 Corinthians 13. Verse 11 is not a separate subject. This flows together. Doesn't it? He's talking about love and what love is and how it acts and reacts. And right in the middle of this, he says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. What's this got to do with love? Everything. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. When I became a man or mature, I grew up. I put away childish things. How does a child think? (laughs) They live in a magical place called Meville. (laughs) Don't they? (laughs) Yeah. They're not aware of world affairs. They're not aware current events in the country there. And little ones, particularly little ones, they cry in the middle of the night because they get a little too warm. It never crosses their mind that you might be sound asleep and that this is disturbing you. Never enters their consciousness because they live in that magical place called Meville where nothing matters except me. What I think, what I feel, what I see. Ooh, pretty. Hmm, hungry. Hmm, uncomfortable. Smelly. <laughs> they don't care if you were right in the middle of your favorite whatever. They don't care. Never crosses their mind. And that's normal for a little baby. Not for a 10-year-old. 
Not for a 16 year old. And certainly not for a 65 year old. (laughs) And we're laughing, but there's a lot of people, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, whatever. And even though they're that old on the outside, inside, they're little bitty babies. Why? Because they don't want to grow up. They like Meville. And they've lived there for 50 years. And they just don't want to go anywhere else. And that's why if you're not doing it for them anymore, you're off their book. And if nothing's in it for me, they're no longer a part. They filter everything they're hearing and seeing by how does this benefit me? What does this do for me? I've been in meetings before where supposed to be spiritual people making some important decisions. And one by one begin to say, well, now how is this going to affect me? And what about this? What about that? And I mean, minute after minute, an hour went by. And I'm thinking, I wanted to just get up and say, hey, there's only one thing that matters here. What did the Lord say? It's amazing how it just never came up. But whether it's me or you or them, you got to watch it because that's your flesh. And you can do that without even thinking about what you're doing. Well, yeah, well, I need this. And what about us? We got to have this. We got to have that. That's not the love of God dominating you. That's still being a child. A lot of folks like to think they've developed a bunch and they're really quite spiritually mature because they pray and they can quote scriptures and prophesy. They've seen things, done things, been places. But that is not the revealer of spiritual maturity. Tell me what the revealer is. Have you moved out of Meville? Do you no longer even ask, what am I going to get? You no longer even ask, what's in it for me? You're only interested in, what did the Lord say? How's it affecting my brother? You love him? And you love them. And can you see that when your love has grown like this, there's something else that has grown right with it. Your faith. Why can you be so selfless and unconcerned? Because you are absolutely convinced God's going to take care of me. I don't have to fuss about this. I don't have to split hairs and fight over pennies. Take it. Abraham is the father of faith. Isn't he? You remember him and Lot out there? They got strife. And Abraham said, we can't have this strife. We are not having this strife. You tell me what you want to do. Because this has got to stop today. What do you want? You tell me where you want to go, I'll go the other way. He's the patriarch. He's the elder. Lot wouldn't have a calf. He wouldn't have a kettle to cook in. 
right? If it wasn't for Abraham. But he goes and picks the best of everything. Out in the desert, water is gold. And he picks the well-watered land. Abraham didn't say a word. He said, fine. Okay, I'll go the other way. He wasn't gone very far till the Lord said, Abram, look up. Look that way, north, south, east. I'm going to give you the whole thing. (laughs) Do you come out better when you won't fight and try to wrestle and demand when you're gracious? You always do. If you won't defend yourself, God will be your defense. Can you say amen? And instead of struggling over it, you can sow it. You can say, hey, no, no, you don't have to take it away from me. I'll give it to you. There you go. I'm not saying it's right. But even though something's wrong in the natural, what somebody's trying to do, your heart can be right. And we're particularly talking about with your brother. That's why there's scriptures that talk about brother not suing brother. And brother not going to law with brother. The Spirit of God through Paul was really charging them. He said that you don't have one person in the church that can settle this. Why don't you rather allow yourself to be defrauded? I'm quoting New Testament scripture. Didn't he say that? He said, no, you're the one trying to beat somebody out something. You're the one doing the defrauding. Love works no ill to its neighbor. If a person dominated by love, a person who's maturing, who really is becoming a spiritual person, if they find out that what they've done is hurt somebody, they will go and make it right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I heard something here recently. Uh, I won't call any names, but there was a situation where there was some, had a huge corporation and a smaller business was having some issues. And and, uh, the CEO, the main man, found out about it. And uh, I guess the lawyers had jumped in uh, ahead of time. and, And I was so impressed Uh, he and his wife got in their car, drove to the little business, and went in there and personally apologized and stopped everything and made it right. Glory to God. These are people super wealthy. They'd never have to touch or see any of this. Tells you volumes about them, though, doesn't it? Sounds like a real Christian to me. Personally. Wanted the man to see his eyes and hear him tell him, I'm sorry my people did this. I'm sorry this happened like this. It's over. Nothing else is going to happen. And the man almost had tears in his eyes when he's talking about, he said, that means a lot to me. (laughs) Well, sure it does. Sure it does. Can you see when we do these kind of things, God gets involved. I mean, the door is open and God gets involved. Why? Because it's not just do-gooders and somebody trying to be religious. It's the love of God and God is that love and it's real. I said it's real. And when people touch it and experience it, they know we are His. And He is real. Can you say amen? Amen. No little stuff or, or winning this or keeping that is worth forfeiting that testimony. And forfeiting that witness. No amount of money or stuff is worth that. Do you believe it? Say amen. amen. When I was a child, what happened? 
I lived in Meville. <laughs> I spoke like a child. My, my, mine, mine, <laughs> mine, mine, mine. <laughs> Think about mine, talk about mine, seek mine, mine, mine. This is the indicator of childishness, immaturity. I understood like that. I thought like that. But when I became a man, when I grew up, I put those childish things away. It is liberating to forget about yourself. Thank you for those two amens and those three nods. The devil tries to convince you that if you really did this, you're going to be so unhappy. Because the thing that will make you happy is you getting what you want all the time. It's not true. It's the opposite. You can win and get and get and win and get and win and accomplish. And oh, you might be externally happy for a little bit, but it won't be long. You'll sit down and everything it gets old and everything is just stuff and nothing can satisfy you and give you joy on the inside. But when you are genuinely used to express and manifest the love of God towards somebody and a burden is removed off of them and they feel loved and valuable, then you begin to tap into some of God's very own pleasure. It pleases him. And when you're used of him to do that, you will sense his pleasure. And you will live in his manifested love and your joy will be full. We'll be full. We'll be full. Go back to the third chapter of 1 Corinthians. This whole book actually deals with this. 1 Corinthians 3, he said, Brethren, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto what? Babes or babies. This is talking about little babies in Christ. Now, this is 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 12 is in 1 Corinthians. Talking about all the gifts of the Spirit. They had so many gifts and manifestations of the Spirit that he had to give them instructions, right? About how to let them operate. I'm sure they thought they were spiritual giants. And he says, you're such babies. Gifts of the Spirit alone don't indicate maturity. Don't indicate that you've grown up a lot. A baby can be used in the gifts of the Spirit. He said, I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able, for you are yet carnal, which is another way of saying little babies. For, and he talks about how he knows they're carnal little babies, spiritually. For, there is among you what? Envying, and strife, and divisions, which is the proof positive that you're a little baby, haven't grown up, and you're carnal. Why? 
Why would you be envying? Why would you be envying uh, what somebody else has got? They got the position. They got the thing you wanted. Why would you be? Because you, me, me wants it. Right? Me, I wanted that. I've been wanting that longer than they've been wanting it. It's not fair. Now let's just stop right here. Is this person envying? Are they glad at all for what has happened to their brother? No. Which shows total babyishness. Being an infant. Envying. Strife. strife. You can't have strife when you're not concerned about what you're going to get. <laughs> divisions. Read the divisions. Verse 4. One says, I'm of Paul. Another says, I'm of Apollos. Are you not carnal? Why? What are they saying about Paul? That's my man. My bunch. Well, I'm Apollos. We're Apollos bunch. He's my man of God. This is my church. My people. My, my doctrine. My bunch. Well, you can have that. We're Peter bunch. We're Paul bunch. My. See, it's a pride over and an emphasis over my church better than your church. <laughs> my preacher better than yours. <laughs> my doctrine's better than your doctrine. My faith stronger than yours. Na, 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 na. What is he saying? This is the absolute proof that you are a little bitty baby. And because of that, there's a whole bunch of things I have not been able to share with you and give you. I've only been able to take the bottle and warm up the milk a little bit and put it on and go, okay. (laughs) Don't get choked. Can't eat any solid food. You think Paul could have given them some solid food? But they couldn't handle it. Why? Not walking up in love. And you'll see it comes back to fears of every kind. Why would you envy? Because you're afraid if they get it, I won't be able to. If their group gets to be center focus, my group will lose its importance. We don't want this group to get bigger than us. What if their church gets bigger than ours? What if their man of God used more than mine? No, no, mine's best. It's fear-based. That somewhere or another you're going to get left out. You're not going to be as important. You're not going to be as seen. Can you see this, saints? You remember when Moses was leading the people of God, and he came to God. He said, Lord, this is too big for me. i got to have help. And he said, okay, I'll take the spirit that's on you, and I will put it on, what did he say, 70 of the elders. And so he told the names and the people. And two of the individuals, who were the Eldad and Medad, were not in the bunch, but the Holy Ghost came on them anyway, and they started prophesying. And Joshua said, hey, 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 them guys prophesying down the camp, and they're not uh, fully Moses certified and approved. 
And Moses said, don't you envy because of me. I wish God would use everybody and put his spirit on everybody. Isn't that the right kind of heart and attitude? Wish God would use everybody. Man, their church is twice as big as yours. Now, what do we say? Glory to God. That means people are getting saved. People are coming in. Right? Let's throw ours in another gear. Not a competition. Just an inspiration. Not a comparison. Just thanking God. Go back to 1 John 4 in closing. When you grow up in God, you grow up in love. When you grow up in love, you leave Meville. And you just quit thinking about what you want. It's actually a dying process. Crucifying the flesh. Because your flesh will go, what about me? What about me? What about me? And you go, where's that nail? (laughs) Boom. Oh, what about me? Boom. What about me? Boom. 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 Shut up. What about me? Boom. What about me? Boom. (laughs) What about me? I know it sounds funny, but you got to do it. Crucify that. Because if you don't, it'll mess up your relationships. It'll keep you from being promoted and used of God. You can't always be thinking about, well, what am I going to get out of this? He said, verse 16, we have known and believed the love that God has to us. Did God love us this way? He did. When we were his enemies. Not based on us doing anything for him. He just loved us because he chose to do it. He that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. And herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. That is a gigantic statement. Isn't it? How is he? He is love. The everlasting love. And what about us? Oh, somebody needs to read this out loud. As he is, is. so am I I. in this world. world. We just got through reading more than once. It said, God is love. God is love. How is he? What is he? He's love. What are we? Say it out loud. I am love. love. The love of God God. in this world. world. See, that above everything is the proof that we are his and his disciples and that he is real. It's not some twisted, holier-than-thou religious thing. It's a genuine valuing of somebody other than yourself and a genuine caring and a willingness to sacrifice for their sake, right? And a growth beyond thinking about yourself all the time and what I need and what I want. I don't claim to have totally arrived, but I know in, in, as the years have gone by, I just think less and less about myself. Man, it's freedom. It's joy. I get up and I'm thinking I'm going here to minister to these folks. I'm going here. I never think about, are they going to give me anything? Are they going to treat me right? Or am I going to get this? I refused to think about that even years ago. And it would keep coming up and I just cast it down. And after a while, you get where it don't even cross your mind. And so then when they do something for you, it's like a surprise. Yeah. 
It's like, whoa, look here. <laughs> had a fellow look up to He said, well, Brother Keith, didn't you think we'd do something? I said, okay, I just wasn't thinking about it. Thank you. Certainly. But when you're not always imagining what they're going to do for me, what they're going to do for me, then if they don't do it, you're not disappointed or depressed. Why didn't they do that for me? That's not the question. The question is why you think you deserve it. Why do you think they owe it to you? Well, after all I've done for them. If what you did for them was a gift, they owe you nothing in return. If they owe you something, it wasn't a gift, it was a trade. Some of that 50-50 stuff. (laughs) That's not the love of God. How many think we're talking about real Christianity tonight? The real deal. Keep going. He said, as he is, so are we in this world. And the very next phrase, there is no fear in love. Because perfect love, now that's the same word for maturing. Perfect love, what does that mean? Well, that's, again, it shows us we grow in it. We grow in it until we're fully developed in it. Until we grow up. How many believe growing up to become a Christ man or woman is growing up to become a love man or woman? And if you grow up fully in it and become mature in it, something else is happening simultaneously. You're having less and less fear of any kind. Why? That's why Abraham could say, take the best. Why? Because he has no fear that he's going to starve to death or go broke. None. None. What if they forget about me? God won't forget about me. Somebody will remember me. At the right time, at the right place. Amen. See, all of the, the reason people stay been out of shape, the reason they stay so worried and so vexed and so depressed is all fear-based. I'm going to lose something. I'm not going to get this. I'm not going to have that. They're never going to like me again. All kind of insecurities, which is another word for fear. Fear, fear, fear. I remember years ago, there were several things going on and I was kind of troubled about them, and, and it just kept going on. And I was praying and praying and praying a little bit too intense about it. And the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice, but he said, Keith, son, if you'll just forget about you, all of this will just go away. I sat up. I thought, huh? I, I began to take one by one. Well, if, why was I upset about that? Because I was thinking about how it would affect me. Why was I thinking about that? Because I thought I wasn't going to get that. What was I thinking about? Every one of them was about me. 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 And if I forget about me, nothing to be upset about anymore. <laughs> forget about me, and I'm free. Free. Now what do I think about? Got my time freed up. <laughs> Got my emotions and feelings freed up. What can I do now? I can think about you. I can think about what can I do for you? How can I help you? And that is what will give you fullness of joy. How many think having absolutely no fear is a good start on your way to being full of joy? Wow. And there's no other way to get there. 
than to grow up, get out of Meville, and just quit thinking about yourself. What I need, what I want, what I don't have, what I wish they would notice, what I wish they would do, what I wish, all this I deserve. You can't be gracious to somebody who feels like they deserve it. can't. And that's the source of so much depression and angst and unhappiness. So how about right now? Let's stand up. And let's forget about me. Close your eyes. Oh, say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Pray this prayer after me if you want to, if you mean it in your heart. Father God, I don't want to be a a little baby all my life. I don't want to be selfish and unhappy and unfulfilled. I want to grow up, be like my master, be like Jesus. Open my eyes to see selfish ways, childish thinking, childish talking, childish understanding, which is selfish talking, selfish thinking, selfish understanding. I want to be free from it. By your grace, I choose to get my mind off of me. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.